0: um I feel like I need to start with a disclaimer because I think that I'm supposed to speak on marriage and I do um, a good bit of marriage counseling but I need you to know um, that I do not have a passion for helping others improve their marriage I also um, do not believe that the best way to help people improve their marriage is by learning new communication techniques or love languages or some such, um, which makes me generally really lonely at continuing education seminars. But <laughs> here, here is why. I don't believe that. Uh, because um, I used to teach that. And when I was at a counselor, because that's what counselors do, they go to other counselors, and he had just taught us you know, those listening techniques, those reflective listening techniques, and you pass a pencil back and forth and back and forth. Mm-hmm. And we had just had an argument in the parking lot, which is what counselors love, <laughs> because you do have their work for you. That you bring all your stuff to the top. And so we had just had an argument in the parking lot, so we were good and hot, and he was all excited about that. And he said, great, we're going to practice the technique. Julie, you sit here. Wes, sit here. He gave me the pencil. He said, go. Mm-hmm. Tell him. How it is that you're feeling, and then of course, Wes was supposed to reflect that back to me. And um, actually, no, he went first, and then he handed the pencil back to me. And I turned to the counselor and said, "I I want to do something else with this pencil. <laughs> this is not this is not working. I know what I'm supposed to do here, and I I don't want to do it." And um, in counseling, that's referred to as resistance. And he just kind of gave me one of those really patronizing counselor smiles and said, just go on ahead and do it. And can I tell you that um, it did not work? Because here's the thing. The, the problem was that that he, my husband, was not doing what it was that I wanted him to do for me. And we had entered marriage um, with an understanding maybe you've heard this, I am to respect him and he is to respect me. And on that day, he was not keeping his end of the contract. And amazingly, I don't understand how this works, but he also thought (laughs) that I wasn't keeping my end of the contract. (laughs) So there we were at the counselor's office, much of the time like clients come to me, and it is then supposedly the job of the counselor to teach both parties how to keep their end up of the bargain so we can both get what it is that we believe that we need from the other i needed love he needed respect and that is how we entered into the marital contract that's the way that it was supposed to go and it is also i believe with that same type of paradigm the contract paradigm that we read such scriptures as Ephesians 5:21, which has the title over it, "Instructions for Christian Householders." Householders—that's <laughs> household counselors combined. Householders, instruction for Christian households. Ephesians 5:21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husband, as to the Lord. Further down, verse 25, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Further down, verse 33, However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see to it that she respects her husband. Now, if you read this as a contract on most days in your home, I want to ask you what I often ask my clients and that is, how's that working for you? (laughs) Um, And their answer is, not too well, which is why we're here talking to you to teach us how to make that contract work, okay? Um, Because if we use the word as an instructional manual on what it is that we are supposed to do, we often end up just like that, very disillusioned. Because we believe that if we do A plus B, then we are going to get C. Which is why so often in my living room and also in my counseling room, I often hear the cry, that's not fair. I did my part, and she didn't keep her end of the bargain up, so why should I have to do it anymore? She broke the contract, I am no longer obligated. And in fact, if that's what you believe the scriptures say, then you'll indeed become very disillusioned. Because, I don't mean to offend you, but it looks like you're old enough to know this. A plus B does not always equal C. And then what do you do? Because that's when you really learn why it is that you're doing what it is that you're doing. That's how, when it doesn't work, that's how you really learn what it was that you were doing it for in the first place. Because we, unlike animals, animals run by instinct and instinct alone. Humans do not. Humans are goal-oriented. We were created for worship, and we worship whatever it is that we believe will ultimately bring us life, security, identity, and peace. Then the way we live our lives is then the best way that we have, it is the best picture that we have of what it is that we truly worship. Romans 12.1 puts it this way, Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. See, the problem with this scripture is this. If we don't know the love of God, then we will turn our lover into God. And if my husband doesn't know the love of God, he will use his position of power to dominate rather than to love me. Because you know what the truth is? On my best day, I do not deserve to be loved the way that the scripture tells him to love me. And on my husband's best day, he does not merit the respect that I am commanded to afford him. So then what? By the way, add into that, you as parents, you do not deserve to be obeyed by your children (laughs) as they are commanded to obey you. You do not merit it. On your best day, you don't merit it. So why do it? Hebrews eight, ten through 12 For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people and they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest for I will be merciful towards their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more that's not fair thank The contract, you see, was abolished with the death of Christ. The death of Christ entered us into a new covenant. A covenant is not just a word. A covenant is a way of relating. I didn't earn mercy from God, but I got it anyway, and I keep getting it. Though I don't earn it anymore now, than I did when I became a believer 30 plus years ago. As a matter of fact, I, like Paul, have in fact gone from being the least of the apostles, which was what he said he was at the beginning of his career. Now the least of the apostles, that's not that bad of a rap. It's saying like I'm the worst of a good, pretty good crowd. But towards the end of his life, do you remember how he referred to himself? The chief of all sinners. That was the end of his life. That's the way of the gospel. The closer we come to Christ, the more we need Him, not the less, the more we need Him. It seems, if you will, the less we improve. So you see, the scriptures are not meant to be taken out of context as some kind of an instructional manual to be used as an answer to all of your relational problems and to learn how to do the do how to raise the kids and how to have the good marriage and how to be the good steward no the scriptures are primarily a story a story of creation the fall rescue and redemption over and over and over and over again that's the story in your role in that story is your response to what was done for you respect him love her not because they deserve it but as a reflection of what you received and did not deserve because marriage is not a contract marriage is a covenant if you do the covenant will you have a happier marriage probably but that is not a guarantee I can say that because I have a full waiting list. (laughs) (laughs) It's not the point, see. The point is this, that my marriage is an act of worship in response to the covenant that my God made with me. I don't give to get. I give because I already got And now, here's the exciting thing, I'm free. I'm free, I can give, regardless of the response of my spouse. My husband does not define me nor my actions. And I do not define him nor his actions. We are free. Free to what? Free to worship. Free to worship in the way that we relate. Day in, day out, to offer the covenant, the gospel. And what is the gospel? Merit bestowed that the other is not worthy of. That's the whole point. When I worship, I'm doing exactly what it was that I was created to do. Do you know how that feels? you know how it's been sometimes in your life when you do the right thing and it didn't, if you will, work out kind of the way that you wish that it had, but you knew that it was the right thing? How did you feel? This weird strength, this weird thing inside of you that says... This is my sweet spot. This is what I was made for. No, people and circumstances, they are not cooperating. But somehow, there is an energy within me that says, Yes, yes, I am congruent. My outside is congruent with my inside. Why? Because this is what I was meant to do. I was meant to worship my Father. And when I do it, I am most fully alive and that as a counselor as a woman as a parent as a wife as a friend that is what I have passion for The other believers would come alive and be free to live our lives in sacrificial worship to our father because we can't Believe, We cannot believe the deal we got. So, if worship then is defined as coming alive, if worship is seen in how you relate, and do you know this is true? You didn't leave the worship service this morning. You're getting into the worship service when you get in your car and decide where you're going to lunch. You're worshiping all over again. Right there. So if we have now a different paradigm, if you will, I want to read the scripture again. I want to read the scripture again with you using the paradigm, not this is an instructional manual that will tell us what to do to get what it is that we want, which is happiness and marriage. No. This is a story of worship. You want to know how to do that? Listen. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior now the church submits to Christ so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by washing of water with the word then skipping down to verse 32 the mystery is profound, is it not? And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see to it that she respects her husband. Different? Wait here. Where is your focus right now? Here. Not here. Here. More primarily, here. Because truthfully, the best marriage counseling is done much more on a vertical level than it ever is on a horizontal level. Because the horizontal level, quite frankly, is water off a duck's back once the vertical level is addressed. If, however, the vertical level is not addressed, the horizontal level, quite frankly, this verse right here, if I am not the father's, this is suicide and foolishness which is exactly what the world has told us it is. And that makes every bit of sense to me, because like I told you, you're really not worth this. And on your best day, you never will be. I do what I do, because He did what He did, the Father. Therefore, no matter what the response is from my husband, I am free because no person and no circumstance can ever keep me from what it is that I was meant and created to do which is to worship my God and to bring glory to him on this earth. When that is my goal I am aligned with how I am designed. When I work in accordance to how I am designed I operate with congruence strength Freedom, And you can tell it. And the main place probably that you're going to see it is, in fact, in my relationships. Because as I relate with others in freedom, do you understand? Frankly, I am a force to contend with. And I do say to my children, and you should say to your children, I'm not worth what Jesus tells you to do. Never mistake it. How many times have you been called cruel, mean, (laughs) ignorant? And let me just tell you this. My kids aren't listening. A lot of the time, they are right. (laughs) So I go on ahead and head it off at the pass and say, you might be right. You might be right. Because the point of that scripture, the point of that scripture is not to teach your children to obey what you told them to do. The point of that scripture is to teach your children that their father adores them. Their heavenly father adores them. And because their heavenly father adores them, he has given them the law and because he loves them, he says, obey this lunatic that is your mother. <laughs> Don't try to measure up. What What were you thinking? Did your parents? But were you gonna improve on that? Did you really think that there was a marriage counselor that could tell you to be a good enough man That you would ever merit a woman allowing you to lead her? I've got great news. You're never going to get it. Never. Thank God. And that's the mercy of the gospel. Enjoy it in a radical, weird way by the way that you relate to each other? And in doing so, you're staying away from the TTND syndrome? You probably don't know what that is, because you are not a professional. (laughs) I coined the phrase. It's not to be found in the DSM. The TTND syndrome is the two ticks with no dog. And that is what I deal with day in, day out, in my home. Oh, in my office, too. So we are going to, um, Wow, well, I really don't want to do this because just let me say that the um, public speaker nightmare, end with Q&A, <laughs> public speaker nightmare. So let me just say it this way. Um, Would you like to get a good seat in church? Would you like to be able to grab another cup of coffee? (laughs) Anyway, if you want to go get the kids and everything like that, now would be a great time to exit. If, however, you want to run the risk of making every other person angry that did not go to the early service, go on ahead and ask a question. So... By the way, I'll just keep talking. Uh, No, I don't see you. Uh, um, (laughs) I purposefully kept this light and short because, can I just tell you, um, when I I met um, dear Gil Cracky once again and said, thank you ever so much for giving me a good 10 minutes to discuss Ephesians 5, (laughs) one of the most controversial, but it really isn't, honestly, um, scriptures um there are so but um i think it's i'm I'm certainly not attempting at all to address any specifics because this is my thinking uh you should always and this is in good counseling you don't go argument by argument by argument by argument you go overall principle and then apply that and so i i want you to mainly understand as you leave today That the overall principle here is that it has absolutely nothing to do with your spouse. These verses have nothing to do with your spouse and everything to do with the way that you worship your father by relating to your spouse, not in a contract manner, but instead in a covenant manner. Did that answer your question? (laughs) Okay, go ahead. I mean, maybe I'm dead, but the two ticks, no dog. I don't understand that. Oh, two ticks with no dog. Well, because that's because you don't live in Shelby County, and I don't think y'all have ticks here, but we do. Okay. A tick sucks life from a dog. And when you enter marriage as a contract, I do this and you do this, what you have is one tick looking to another tick. To suck life. And the problem is, there's no dog. <coughs> uh huh. I love to hear you talk about theology of good choices. Could you talk about it as it relates to? Yes, thing? yes. The theology of good choices. Um, I got my um, degree many years ago because I always wanted to work in the inner city with abused children. And I hit 50, and I was still counseling upper-middle-class white people in the suburbs. (laughs) And I said, God, when do I get to do what it is that I wanted to do? And he said, you're there. Because what I do is I take the gospel into the church community, who often lives off of a false gospel, and it is, what I call the Theology of Good Choices, which is if you do the right things, if you go to the right classes, if you read the right books, you put your kid in the right youth group, in the right schools, and get the right mentors, A plus B, you will get C. And that's the Theology of Good Choices. And it is the core of how evil, Traps the church. And often, it is preached. So, that is the theology of good choices, is if you do the right things, God is obligated. Now, a lot of you are very young. I will say that. Um, And maybe that will work out for you, but it probably won't. (laughs) And eventually, you will come to somebody like me, with one of two questions. Number one, it didn't work, so teach me. Was I doing A wrong or B wrong because I'm not getting C? So they say, teach me what to do. Or, these are the older ones, angry, very angry. I did A, and I did B, and I got C, and I'm mad. One of the two. So that's the theology of good choices which basically all I'm saying is this. That is nowhere in the pages of Scripture. Nowhere does God give us the guarantee. Nowhere does He give us the guarantee of anything but His presence and what we were made for, which is to bring Him glory. And there's nothing that can stop us from that. But beyond that, no guarantee. I say that at baby showers and wedding showers. And again, I am an incredibly popular guest. Incredibly popular. But I do, I say this. Please write this down. Please write this down. Young mother, you're not that important. Thank God. Thank God. Because now, at this side of it, that's a relief to me. On that side of it, that was really scary. And I didn't like that. I wanted to be told, uh-uh, uh-uh, but come on now. You know, there are some things I can do. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> it is my responsibility that my ch- child enter the kingdom of God. And it is my responsibility to raise happy, healthy, blah, 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 blah. Well, I, I'm just going to wake you up, just in case you aren't listening. Um, no, it's not. And it's nowhere in the pages of Scripture. That is the responsibility of the Father. And remember Management 101? You never give anyone responsibility without complete authority. Do you have complete authority? No. And you never will. And you never did. However, you do have, while not responsibility, you have a role. Ask the father, what is my role in the life of this child? But beg him to stay on your side of the line, that you do not, you do not have responsibility. And try saying that at a baby shower. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm sorry, this is off topic, but um, you you mentioned that with your children, you say, yes, I'm, I'm not um, mm-hmm. deserving of, of your obedience, but you obey me because the Father loves you and institute. How do you, you probably hit that Where, how do you do that with a young child? You know, that, I feel like I, I want to say that to my children, mm-hmm. but but that line, is, it, it's difficult to do that with, with little ones that, such that they can understand I think it's probably more in what you shouldn't say than what you do say. Oftentimes, we try to convince our children that we are worthy. Do it because mommy loves you. Do it because mommy knows best. Stop saying those things. (laughs) Because mommy's having a really lousy day and needs you to shut up and get in the car seat. No, I'm just kidding. But you probably would say, you probably would say, in essence, let me talk like a counselor. Validate. I know. I know, baby. I know you don't want to do it. I get it. Do it. So you well, can't I, say because I said so. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> you can say um, because I said so, but but behind me is the one that's worthy. And I think you should be teaching that to your children from a very, very young age, because from a very, very young age they do not trust you. Right, and what I don't and want they to say is You know, I don't want to say God wants you to obey me because I don't want to create a standard where you have to be good and so God will love you more. No. You teach the commands as because the Father loves you, he has given you these commands, that it may go well with you, which is exactly the rest of that. The Father gives us the word because he loves us. Not so that we can obey it, so that we can get what it is that we want and get his blessing. We already received. We've already got it. He gave us the word because he loves us. And use every opportunity you have to show your children uh, the benefit of obedience to the word as an act of love. Meaning this. And when you lied, and then you told the truth, as the scripture said, how did you feel? Oh, I felt so much better. Yes, and the Father knows that. And he loves you. And that is why he said, tell the truth. So I constantly make that connection. I say that constantly. I, I haven't even talked to my children in a week. <laughs> 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 huh do you have, like, older clients that come in to, to your counseling session and are, I mean, this term is not a good term, but, like, happy, you know? I mean, is, is, is there any kind of... And if so, like, what do they do? Are they happy? Are they happy? Do you have a Are they... You yeah, like, is there is there a couple or is there a person that you counsel that's like, you know, mid fifties and they're like, they're they're is they happy. Is the question, is anyone happy? And if so, like, what do they do? Okay, they're not they're not living. Oh oh oh! I can answer that. That's a beautiful and wonderful thing, and it happens a lot there are times when life works and it's great enjoy it enjoy it because that is the blessing of God it is it is also temporary and it is not what you were made for you were made for the eternal happiness relationally is temporal because even the best man could be dead tomorrow So while I see, here's the truth, because I don't bank my life and my happiness on my marriage, I can fully relax and enjoy it in the moments when it's good, because I'm not so panicked. How do I keep it here? How do I keep it here? I can fully embrace it and with an open hand. And also, 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 more importantly, where many of you are right now is, you know, my, my children, I'm an empty nester as now, my children live all over the place. They will come home next weekend for exactly 48 hours. (laughs) Okay. High pressure, high pressure. If life is about, it's got to be a great 48 hours because I'm not going to see them again for probably another year and a half to two years. Will they be in my home again? Like that, right? Best way I've learned how to kill my time with my kids is to live for my time with my kids and enjoy every single second. Instead, I just say, thank you for what you gave It's not always going to be so, but thank you for this moment. And it takes my anxiety level from here to here. And so, in fact, yeah, I do see many happy people. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. It's temporal. Live for the eternal, but that doesn't mean I don't enjoy the temporal. Look at me. I pretty clearly enjoy the temporal. (laughs) Anything else? No. It's time to go now. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> um, I, I'm gonna pray for y'all. Oh, okay, I have one yes. I should probably disguise my voice. Are you recording this? Because uh-huh. you husband's not here? <laughs> we are recording, uh, theoretically. I mean, yeah. I never know um, if it, but it is going up and down. Okay. So <laughs> I believe it is being recorded, and I am gonna ask them to put it on our re- website. Um, which is, if you Google my name, if you forget, and if you Google my name, uh, Julie Sparkman, if you Google idol Addiction, uh, Blonde Lunatic in Birmingham, <laughs> it'll all come up. Restore Ministries is my counseling ministry. We have an office in Mountain Brook, and there's me, and I also have my partner. She sees um, young adults down to 10 years old. Sweet spots probably right around in college age. But anyway, that's where we are, and this will be on our website. So, is that your question? Let me pray. Father, for this moment, let the amazing unmerited favor of you on us just wash all over us we did not deserve it we never will thank you and oh father teach us to live our lives in appreciation for that Give us eyes to see our unmerited favor from you so that we can bestow that on others who will never merit it from us. Free us, Father, free us from foolish goals that we go back and back and back to. Free us, remind us, your glory is our goal. In Jesus' name. Amen.